Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Season four introduces you to people and organizations that have a passion for pets and help in whatever way they can. Our guest today is Nikki Giovanelli. What a handle that is. Who's going to mess with somebody named Nikki Giovanelli? She is the founder of the Canine Health Nut. Nikki has a passion for dog health, especially when it comes to nutrition. From working in veterinarian clinics as a veterinarian technician, she saw firsthand the challenges clients faced when trying to decipher what ailed their dog and how to determine the solution best suited to that dog. And from there grew the Canine Health Nut, which is more of a brand than a business. I follow her on Instagram and I learn a ton of stuff. It's, it's great the way she explains it. She has a unique and interesting approach to providing information and spreading awareness. And you'll love it too, so stay tuned. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. And today I have again with me my co-host, David L. Helsell. Hey, David. Hi, Billy. Thanks for having me again. How's it going today? Really well, really hot. Really hot. Yeah, we're, <laughs> uh, we're sitting here in uh, the prairies in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada. And our guest today, Nikki, is um, having a hot go down there in California. Hey, Nikki, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. 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 Thank you. So, uh, so what's happening down there in California? Um, well, thankfully, it is Southern California, not Northern California. It's just hot down here, but I've heard there's wildfires actually in Northern California. So, you know, sending out thoughts to oh. our North Cal folks out there that are having a hard time. But yeah. Um, yeah. we're just dealing with a lot of heat <laughs> down here. Yeah, those wildfires are the animals and the people and yeah that's a that's a tough yeah. go exactly no it can be kind of hard we i feel like california deals with it every year yeah right around where it, it starts turning like, to fall not, it's basically a season yeah 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 exactly. you get a earthquake if you don't have yeah or both yeah mm -hmm. but it is california so everybody wants to live there don't they doesn't everybody want to live in california yep pretty yep. much <laughs> <Seems like it. laughs> so uh yeah, you are the um, the expert on different forms of dog nutrition and health in general, and all sorts of. I think your your journey is taking you on all sorts of different levels with learning um, about canine health, and more so educating other people on canine health. So, mm -hmm. so what exactly is the canine health nut? What exactly is it? So the Canine Health Net is kind of a brand uh, that looks to serve to educate and inform dog owners about different aspects related to canine health and nutrition. But with more of a slant, I'm not exactly, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on okay. this, but what I do know is what the experts are saying. So I've talked to several board certified veterinary nutritionists and I've talked to the people that, you know, have all of that knowledge in different conferences. And basically I'm just relaying that information to the general public that maybe can't go to a veterinary conference to talk to these different people about all these different topics. So um, that's kind of what we're looking to do is get, basically give people that information so that they can make better decisions and informed decisions about different 
different aspects of their pet's health um, for their pet to live a longer and happier life. That so, is a very good way. So you kind well of, uh, yeah, it's well said. So you do it in a nutshell. <laughs> Can we <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically I try to yeah. condense it no, that's, because, you know, <laughs> that's really good for people. Cause there's just, well, with my profession as well, there's just so much out there on the internet. There's so much stuff. You just get infiltrated with it. And even my clients are asking me, see, I saw this or I heard this or I read this. So to have someone take it and, and be able to say, Hey, this is how you want to decipher it or who needs it. Yeah, or why. you break it down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that's, that's it's with any you, field what, now. What made you start the canine uh-huh. health nut? So there was two different, the original reason why I came up with the idea of canine health knot was because I saw people coming into the clinic and having a really hard time, like deciding, oh, what should I feed my pet? And how do I read a dog food label? And like the very basics. And that's kind of where the idea came out. But over time, especially with starting this, I guess, brand online, I found that, um, I can do actually more than what I was originally planning. So I can more be the, the go between. So as like a registered veterinary technician, I'm often explaining different medical conditions and kind of what the options might be. And I figured that, you know, those vet appointments, depending on your vet, you might have a 15 minute appointment, you might have an hour appointment, but regardless of how long that appointment is, you just don't have enough time to talk about everything. Usually you focus on like one topic during that time, maybe two, but usually right. you can't talk about like dental health and what to feed your dog and, you know, oh, what your dog's itching sometimes. What does that mean? And like uh, occasionally, you know, when you need to socialize your dog or something like that, like all these different aspects of wellness, you just can't cover that in one appointment. So what I'm trying to be is kind of almost that sounding board and that go between, between like going on Google and typing something in and the veterinary office when you see them once a year and you still have additional questions. So it's kind of evolved a little bit more into a health and wellness brand or a health and wellness education um, centered um, focus than just nutrition by itself, even though nutrition is my first passion. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, a little bit, David and I were talking yesterday about this podcast is, is more awareness than it is a specific advice and specific education because it it's it's sometimes often really hard to do that because the answer for everything is well it depends exactly <laughs> so you really need to have this overall awareness and a different way of thinking about getting the proper advice for you and your dog whether it's health whether it's behavioral it's not just a, a quick Google search. Yeah. Cause I find that when you do a Google search and you know, titles are sensationalized. Yes. So you end up with half of a truth. You don't end up with like a whole truth on something. So I don't know exactly how it would be so much with behavior, but I know with like um, pet nutrition, they might like someone might Google like is grain free. Okay. Or is grain free healthy? Or should I do grain free? And you know, you're going to end up with these opinions that kind of go to very, very bad to very, very good. And usually the answer is like, well, it kind of depends on your dog and how they digest grains. And you know, exactly. it depends on right. what diet you're going and depends, depends, depends. And it's more of a wishy-washy answer. I think I was talking to another registered veterinary technician about like these different debates and they're like, oh, well, it's risk management. And no one likes to hear a title that's like, well, maybe in this situation, but not this. 
this and maybe here and not here. <laughs> um, it's not as exciting to actually like, you know, read in that sense as a title by saying it depends. So yeah. And with- people just want to rush to the end goal. And I'm always saying that with what I do is you can't rush to the end goal. So when exactly, exactly with behavioral, the first thing out of my mouth is a question. So there's mm-hmm. not one right answer. So when someone asks me, what do I do when my dog does X behavior? My immediate response is going to be a question. How old is your dog? How long have you had your dog? When is your dog doing that behavior? You know, there's 9 million questions and then that does exactly. narrow it down. So fairly similar. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yes. So this is your passion be- because you are a registered vet tech or... Not so much just because I'm a registered veterinary technician, because obviously there's lots of different things that different, you know, RVTs will focus on. Like um, I have a friend that is an internal medicine specialist. She loves looking at dogs that come in in emergency situations. Like that's her thing. Mm-hmm. Not really my thing so much, but like that's her like focus. Interesting. Um, I'm I'm not so much an emergency. <laughs> situation on yeah. registered veterinary technician. That's just not my cup of tea. But with my dogs, when I started, um, you know, getting into uh, dealing with my own dogs, uh, Ash, one of my my dogs that I have now, he actually came to me after having Parvo as a puppy at the shelter. Mm-hmm. And he just had a wrecked GI tract. Like it just, nothing would settle it very well. And um, being in the medical field, I was really fortunate to have access to a lot of different people. Like I said, these specialists to talk to about like what my options could be. And, you know, I talked to these uh, different food companies and then we went from food to food to food to try to find out which one would potentially help him without putting him on chronic medications. And so he was kind of that door that kind of opened up because mm-hmm. eventually we did solve his issue. It took a long time to of trial and error with slow improvements for it to resolve. Mm-hmm. But, you know, eventually we mm-hmm. found the answer and it was food. It wasn't a medication. Mm-hmm. So, and he's been managed long-term on that. So the same thing or a similar thing with my other dog, he has seasonal allergies. So I found a diet that manages his seasonal allergies quite well. So he doesn't have as many flares or as many issues. So I think of nutrition and my passion for nutrition is like this base that allows you to like sustain health. And it's going to depend on the dog to what that base is going to be. Yes. So down so, that holistic path, which again yeah. is, is how I work with dogs. So just to clarify, can you give just a quick uh, GI, if you can just let our listeners know, and oh. Parvo, just so that they can have so, just a quick overview yeah. on the So basically what happens in Parvo is there's a lot of inflammation that goes on in the GI tract. GI being gastrointestinal. Gastrointestinal. There you go. Yeah, the lining. (laughs) Oh, I didn't. Sorry. That's okay. Um, So it just means that the gastrointestinal tract just gets really inflamed and there's little like... um, the gastrointestinal tract isn't flat. It has all these grooves called microphili that help with absorption. So they're supposed to be nice and plump and have all these little like... um, projections off of them. And because you have all of these surface area, it allows for when things come through to kind of move and pass through and be absorbed. But what a parvo does is it basically destroys all of that. So that instead of the food being absorbed because of all this inflammation and um, like, you know, because of all this damage that's being done, the food just kind of moves through and can't be, it can't be absorbed by the body very well. 
and it also destroys like the gut flora like in your lower GI, it's going to completely mess up that gut flora that's there. So um, with dogs that are going through parvo, treatment can be variable depending on signs and it's basically just supportive care. So you give them fluids, you may or may not give them antibiotics, you may or may not give them other supportive therapies. I know I've heard of um, like fecal transplants and stuff like that as well, but I mean, he was in a shelter situation. So who knows exactly, you know, how much funding they have to what kind of options they could do. But I mean, the good thing is he made it good and he was you. very lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he was very lucky that he got to the other side of the disease. Not all of his litter was that lucky, but unfortunately because he had that, it had made some issues with his GI tract. But over time with, you know, um, different therapies and getting him on a food that works well for him, that GI tract has repaired. So the cool thing about the GI tract is it can repair over time if you give it enough time. So I think once we found a food that worked, it took almost, I would say, three months to see significant difference. And then it took another three months for like everything to kind of get to a point where he wasn't having flares constantly, like every month or so. And then maybe a year after the original treatment, I could give him things other than his diet without him having flares. Wow. Overall, so it used, that's not yeah. a huge period of time, really. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, but that's it does you. take it does take time though. I know some people, when they're looking at GI therapies, they think that they're going to start on it. And then like, you know, next week it's going to be done, but it doesn't quite work that way. It takes a long time to kind of resolve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he was basically the start of kind of my passion for, I think, nutrition and everything like that. So we listened to some of your videos and love (laughs) that you are all for people, food for dogs. But there are seemingly small but important pieces of info that you provide. Can you give some examples of those? Like based around the people food? Right. So I think of people food in two different ways. So you can either use people food as like your complete and balanced diet. So you're making a diet as the sole diet being people food in that sense. Or you can do people food as an addition. And each category has like its own, I guess, Uh, issues that might potentially arise. If you are feeding people food as like an addition, then what you want to do is amplify the diet, not cause issues to your complete and balanced diet that you're feeding. So for example, if you are feeding a complete and balanced diet, but you remove half of it and then put in just muscle meat, that's not going to have the diet be balanced anymore because you've taken the half the calcium out of the diet and replaced it with just phosphorus. So now your calcium phosphorus ratio is going to be completely out of whack, which isn't, which isn't good for your dog's long-term health on the same thing with like, if you replaced half the diet or if you added on a lot of bone, like if your dog gets a lot of like uh, raw bones, people that do raw feeding, if they eat too much bone, that's going to be too much calcium. And again, it's going to unbalance that calcium phosphorus ratio in the diet. Um, Similar things can balance is everything. Exactly. And that's what you want with these diets is you want balance. So when you're looking at additions, you want to add just enough and not too much. So I think the general recommendation when I've looked at um, different board certified veterinary nutritionists and what they recommend for additions and for, and this includes treats as well and chews is 10% of your dog's caloric needs per day can be treats or additions without doing significant unbalancing to the diet. So like if you have a chihuahua, 
they get 250 calories a day. That means you get 25 calories that can be treats and additions. Whereas (laughs) if you have a St. Bernard, you're looking at, you know, 2000 calories a day, you can do 200 calories and treats and additions. So you may have to, you know, play with what you're giving as an addition based on even the size of your dog. You can't give four ounces of chicken to a chihuahua and um, expect the diet to still be balanced. Most likely when that happens, <laughs> right, the chihuahua right, that is makes not going to eat its regular food. <laughs> um, so, so that would be like, one happy chihuahua, but, but it's severely unbalanced. <laughs> um, honestly, if you're going to, if it happens like that, where I see people that are like, oh, I'm going to just do half the bowl. I'm like, you know, just go into the fresh food side. Like instead of doing half the bowl's chicken, you want to do half fresh food. There's tons of fresh foods, um, like complete and balanced manufactured foods on the dock. Uh, on the market now. Just go fresh. Just do half the bowl fresh mm. food from a yeah. manufactured diet instead. And you can still have half, you know, a meat product that's in there. If that's what you're looking for, just make sure that that is also balanced. So it's really easy to, you know, make sure that that bowl is balanced. You just have to be mindful of it. So yeah. that's like the right. addition side of the equation. And then there's like the home cooked, like, uh, using all fresh food side of the equation. So if you're going to do DIY all by yourself, then that's a much more complicated situation. You can't just go online and choose any diet that you see there, um, and think that it's going to be complete and balanced. Like I know a lot of people will either Google it or they'll go on Pinterest and be like, Oh, I have a complete and balanced diet for my dog. It has rice, chicken, and some vegetables. And I'm like, no, that doesn't have any calcium in it and you have no organ meat. So like you, you're missing most of your vitamins, minerals, and your calcium. That's, that's not a balance. It makes so much so, sense when you say it. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and again, back to it's logical. When I help my clients, they're like, oh, that's, that makes so much sense. Or it's so logical. But because they're so mm-hmm. saturated with information that's just not specific enough to their needs or directly enough to their particular dog and why their dog's doing a behavior or why their dog is maybe tired or lethargic or whatever. So Mm -hmm. when, when, when they hear it from someone that knows when they're talking about, it sounds so logical, but they, it's hard to think of it on your own. It is, it is really hard. It really is. Especially when you see online, like they're like, Oh, you can just do this. And it's like, no, that's, you still need to add other things to that to make it balanced. And I think there was a a study that looked at it and they said like 90, well, hundred, even up to a hundred percent, but 95 of the recipes that I think UC Davis analyzed that they found online and in books were not complete and balanced diets that they found. So they wow. had deficiencies in the diet. So when you're looking online, you have to be really mindful of the fact that most of what you're looking at probably isn't balanced, which is why I always recommend working with, you know, either a board certified veterinary nutritionist or a product that was made by a board certified veterinary nutritionist or someone that has a PhD in animal nutrition so that mm-hmm. you know that you're actually getting, you know, mm-hmm. your end result because right. you want to put in all this effort you want you want all that effort to come back with a complete and balanced diet that's not going to harm your dog. Right. So. so really, canine health is a lot like human health. Um, yes. You make a plan, and everyone's different. Dogs are different, and you mm-hmm. come up with the right plan, the right exactly. diet. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you start yeah. with that platform and, and build off of that. It's, yeah, a lot like a human nutritionist. At some point, you just, and even with, again, with what I do behaviorally, you have to start somewhere and you build that platform. And then you exactly. build off of that depending on the changes, which exactly. might not be what people think. I mean, you know, people may change their diet and all of a sudden their skin is better or their hair is better. And then that's going to tell their nutritionist something. It's, it's going to say, ding, okay, if that's happening, 
then that means this. But but mm-hmm. that's why people are are experts and they know. Exactly. And that's something where like we have like these AFCO standards or NRC standards, which are the two standards here in the US, I think in Canada, there's another one for um, Europe, but they have basic standards for what um, the like minimums and then some maximums are in diets. But what a like a board certified veterinary nutritionist would do or something like that is they take that information, then get a whole bunch of information about your dog mm-hmm. and their lifestyle and what they do. And then they would formulate a diet off of that. So, you know, if your dog's in agility, it might need more protein to repair muscles than, you know, the the pug that sits around on the couch all day. Like they just don't <laughs> need that protein value that the agility dog does. I so those I diets will be composed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like to make like the comparison for people of like, you know, if you go to the gym every single day, you need a different diet than someone that sits, you know, on in a chair in the office all day. Yeah. There's yeah. just different again, diet compositions well put, that are yeah. needed. Yeah. And it's logical yeah. and, and the same diet doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. And that's something like I found out like very, very early with Ash was that, you know, I tried them on kibble. I tried them on canned. I tried them on prescription. I tried them on raw. And none of these things were working for him. And it wasn't that those things were necessarily bad. It's right. just they didn't work for him because I'm looking at Ranger who's sitting right next to him and literally whatever I put Ranger on, his GI tract was handling it just fine. Even if I switched him like that same day, he's just mm-hmm. like, yep, this works. Whereas like <laughs> Ash, you know, you give him like a piece of something that was off and he was just like, nope, everything's wrong again. So oh, wow. ev- yeah. every dog is going to be unique in how they respond to diets too, which is why, you know, some dogs do great with, um, you know, a manufactured diet and other dogs, you know, they might need that home prepared diet or that freshly cooked cooked diet that might be what they need in order to maintain their health and do well so and you get you get the street dogs too a lot of them have you know eaten but you don't even want to think about what they've been eating (laughs) (laughs) so they could they could probably literally eat a house and just kind of chuckle on and go yeah I'm good Uh, but others of them not so much other of them have a very you know what what your average person would call like a delicate tummy um yeah whatever reason that is um, so, mm-hmm. so sometimes it's, it's history and sometimes it's genetics and sometimes just like people, it's just the way they are individually. Yeah. So there can be variation and like, you will find sometimes that a dog that like, like for instance, like with my dog, you know, he's been on fresh food for a long time. Well, you know, I started giving him, you know, for some of Ranger's food as like treats for training to keep everything balanced. And he now can tolerate those treats. So he can, he can deal with those foods. So you might have a a dog that, you know, couldn't handle, you know, certain diets for a long time, but once you fix the GI tract and you get them on something that they do well on, they might be able to tolerate those things again. And you just don't know. That makes total sense. Yeah. It's like the platform changes and and things change as you move along and go along. Um, Exactly. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's exactly how you work with dogs as well. It's, you know, the answer one day isn't necessarily the same answer three weeks later or a month later because things have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. The comparison is great. So mm-hmm. the canine health net is a great resource. Is there another resource you recommend? Right. So 
I mean, there's a lot of other resources out there, but as far as if you are looking to like start in the home cooking or the home preparing food sphere, my favorite resource or the one that I recommend the most is balanceit.com. So balanceit.com was made by a board certified veterinary nutritionist and a computer programmer. And basically what it allows you to do is create a recipe that is complete and balanced for your dog, along as you use their vitamin and mineral supplements to go with it. So it has, it's kind, it's a really cool software. You go in and you pick like your proteins and you can choose what carbohydrates you want, or you can choose none. Same with like fruits and vegetables and what kind of oil you want. You just click through and then you press create. And then it's going to come up with different recipe options. So it'll come up with like an old meat recipe, uh, like high carb recipe, a moderate like um, fat carb recipe, and then a high protein um, to carb recipe. So it has these different options for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have that link in my show notes, people. Mm -hmm. So So go to my show notes for that link. That's great. Perfect. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to if we are doing like a food allergy trial at um, my mm. you know, my my work when we were there is we would use balance it because uh, with allergies you want to have the most control when you're doing a food elimination or food allergy trial and doing a home cooked diet gives you the most control over those ingredients. So I like to balance it because you know I can just pick two ingredients to start. The person can just cook like a whole bunch of beef and a whole bunch of quinoa, put the supplement on, and we can do that for a period of time to see if the pet resolves on, you know, this novel protein, very controlled diet. So that I like so that option. Yeah. yeah. And of yeah. course, it makes a lot of sense. Exactly. So, and of course it works for people that just want to home cook as well, that don't have a dog that has allergies. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. In particular, yeah. when we were in the veterinary office, that's what we used it for a lot was mm. for that, um, for allergies in particular, because mm. of the control mm. that you have over your ingredients. Yeah. 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 That's a problem. People have a lot and they struggle with it a lot is the allergies. It's, they can just yeah. flail around trying so many different things. Yeah. yeah this and, is really helpful. I'm glad that we're getting this out there. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. And that leads us to our tail end question, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Can you please share with us something you've learned from dogs or a dog that has been inspirational or life changing for you? Um, I think that the things that I've learned from dogs at on a personal level, not on like a professional level that has been so like helpful for me is to basically take it day by day and to not overly focus on anything in particular. Cause I feel like dogs are just, you know, they live in the moment and they don't focus too much on the future. They don't stress too much about that future thing that's going to happen. They just focus on just the moment of things that are going to happen right now. And I'm a perfectionist. So that idea sounds very wonderful. I don't know if I practice it very well, but <laughs> <laughs> because I do tend to be more of a perfectionist, but the idea of being able to live more in your moment and not always be potentially planning out all of the solutions for the future sounds really wonderful. That um, is, that's that's so great. Well said. David, I'd mm-hmm. say you're pretty good at uh, living in the moment. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm probably more like you, Nikki, but it's definitely... <laughs> Definitely advice that we can take from dogs for sure. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much, Nikki. That was super helpful. Yeah, thank you. That was really opening, and you explained these things really well. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Aww. you you clearly know your stuff, and and you have a real passion, and you really care. And thanks so much and for thanks sharing for that. what you do. 
Uh, no problem. And thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Our okay, pleasure. great. Take care, Nikki. Bye. Bye. Once again, what a great interview. Thanks to Nikki and David. When we started this interview, I actually wasn't thinking about how similar my profession is to that of the way that Nikki approaches healthcare with dogs. I often compare my profession, or more specifically, my business model, with that of a nutritionist. So first, I find out what level my client is at, what the dog knows. It's not all about the bad behavior or instilling rules. We figure out what level they're at, We practice exercises that includes body disposition, tone of voice, leash work. There's no right or wrong to these. We just need to find out what level the dog is at and what's working. Then my client implements these exercises. As with a nutritionist, it might take longer with a nutritionist, but my clients would usually take four to seven days. And this is to establish the platform exercises. It changes the dog's perception of the person and it creates transferable skills. And this can't be done in one session. You literally need to take the time to implement them just just as though the exercises or, I guess, change in eating habits or lifestyle that a nutritionist would recommend. And this is so that you can see the changes. There is not one right solution, which is what you would see on the internet. You know, you would see coffee, coffee shop advice or quick fix solutions. These may work, but often they do not with dogs over the age of six months. So now that we have a platform and platform exercises, which changes we progress, many of my clients have performed the basic ones before we even start working together. They just don't know why they were doing them or how to use them to address their needs. For example, tell the dog to sit, give the dog a treat. You don't need to be a trainer to know how to do this. It's funny how many trainers I see doing this on their um, Instagram posts and videos. This is what everyday average people do with their dog. The problem is they don't know why they're doing it and they don't know exactly how to do it depending on what their goal is so that the exercise is correlative to their needs. For example, a dog with anxiety, you don't want to tell that dog to sit and then give them the treat while they're in the sitting position. You want to release them to the treat, which provides them with options, excuse me, with options, which decreases their anxiety. That exercise itself doesn't decrease the anxiety, but it does establish platform skills. So the exercises that they're doing, again, have to be correlative. Another common one that everyone does is they tell their dog to sit and then give a reset like stay or wait, and then they put the food bowl down, and then they start moving around and doing jumping jacks or going down the hall or around a corner. When in actual fact, What the dog wants is the food bowl, which is still sitting right there. They could care less what the person is doing. So if you have a hyper dog that is reactive to motion and movement, you want the desired object to move. This could also go for people telling the dog to sit and then they throw a ball and the dog goes when the ball is thrown. So you're literally teaching your dog when your desired object moves, you get to go. That's not always a great thing to teach a dog depending on the dog's personality and what you're trying to address. Many exercises on the internet and social media are canine enrichment. 
I then saw a trainer term the exercise that she was doing an empowerment exercise. She put a bunch of treats on a yoga mat and rolled up the yoga mat. And then I guess this dog was afraid of things that moved, motion and movement. So she was getting the dog to be comfortable moving the yoga mat and then the reward is getting the treat. This kind of seems like it would make sense, but in actual fact it doesn't because there's not a transferable skill. So when she goes to open the closet to pull out the broom or when the neighbor comes out into his yard, there's not a transferable skill from that exercise that can be applied to the situations that are actually uncomfortable for the dog. Or at least in this particular video, there weren't. And the dog moving the yoga mat isn't necessarily correlative to that specific dog's issue. And I'm not saying that you should train in the negative because you shouldn't, but you need transferable skills in your platform. I have examples of these exercises and I go into more detail throughout this entire podcast. I think season two, episode two and episode five of the snippet tips and also in season three, I have studies with clients that I've performed on impulse control and counter conditioning and what exercises are effective and which ones aren't depending on the situation. And again, there's no right or wrong. It's simply to allow people to retrain their brain and think about the exercises that they're doing and whether they are correlative. Upward dogology consists of approaches, commands, and techniques. Those are the core tools. Approaches, commands, and techniques, or ACT, A-C-T. This is explained in the four-part mini-series. The approaches are the overall way of working with dogs. This is what changes the mindset of the humans. One of these approaches is segregate, correlate, and eliminate. This goes back to how Nikki approaches healthcare for dogs. So for dog behavior, the initial questions and fact-finding or research on the dog segregates the issues and sets the direction. The exercises must be correlative to the dog's personality and the goal of the client. And the results of the implementation allows us to eliminate and move forward. I talk about changes. Much like with a nutritionist who would see changes in hair growth or skin, then they know the direction to go based on these changes. I talk about these throughout the podcast as well. One example is, for example, of a nervous dog who's never peed on a walk. Once we establish those platform exercises and apply them to a walk, the dog pees. But that's not necessarily what the people called me about. They called me about the anxiety, but we know that we're going in the right direction because of these changes. Another example is the dog just deciding not to go in the crate. I talk about this one in earlier episodes as well. People think this is a negative change. In actual fact, it can be a positive sign. I think one of the most important points we can learn from Nikki and really what this podcast is all about is not to rush to your end goal of scouring the internet for a quick fix solution. Whether it is health or behavioral related, it is important to learn not only from research, but also from implementation and application. Your dog will let you know what is right for him or her. Enjoy your learning journey. Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook. That's Upper Dogology. If you have not listened to the four-part mini-series lately, it has been completely revamped. I hope you enjoy it. My website is also being overhauled, which I'm pretty excited about because I have zero techie skills. So my previous one was a little rough, and that is uh, UpperDogology.com. Please share if you have enjoyed these episodes. Awareness and education is key, and the people that are 
volunteering and helping out in the dog world really deserve the recognition and the appreciation. And as well, you can check the show notes for links to them and to other people that are mentioned or organizations that are mentioned in the episodes. If you have any questions, please email me at billy at upperdogology.com. And thanks again to the Jeff Murdoch Band for the great music from the album Outrun the Sunrise. You can find them on Facebook and YouTube. Enjoy your learning journey. Yeah,